You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Hello. Um, Happy football season, everyone. America is pretty awesome all year round, but in September and October and November and December, it is just that extra bit awesome. Uh, We are looking at the moment... um, we're going through the Gospel of John. And this fall, we're going to spend the whole of the fall uh, looking at the Gospel of John. And I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about that for one reason. It means we get to talk and we get to describe and we get to look at the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, that makes me excited. It makes me even more excited than the Jags do. And um, uh, Antley has introduced us to this, um, to this topic, to this Gospel, um, and in the first few weeks, uh, and he taught us two, two of the main themes in this Gospel of John, okay? And two of the main themes in this Gospel of John, the first is this, is that Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God himself, okay? It's the first theme. The second theme is this, that Jesus is the light, yes? Jesus is the light, and he's coming into the darkness, and defeating the darkness. And today I'm going to continue introducing us to, to the Gospel of John by looking at this third theme that John has sown throughout his Gospel. And that is that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Okay? So we're going to look at uh, John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you, you can get them open to uh, John 1, or you can get your phone out and pretend that you're looking at uh, the Scripture. But it will also be on the screens. John 1. This is John 1.19. And this is the testimony of John, John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed. And did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who who you do not know. And I can't read because of the thing. Even he who comes after me, the strap of those whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Here we're in, I'm going to pause for a minute and then we're going to carry on. Here we're introduced to the character of John the Baptist. Okay, And John the Baptist, you may have heard of him, he was a relative of Jesus's. His mother was Elizabeth, and uh, she is described in the other Gospels as being like a kinswoman of Mary, like a, like a sister but not a sister because she's older. And so they think that you know, she was probably some cousin or some aunt or something like this. But anyway, uh, John is born to Elizabeth, and Jesus is born to Mary. And so they're probably like di- distant cousins. Okay, they're, they're the same age. And they're like distant cousins. And John the Baptist had gained a reputation. John the Baptist had gained a reputation for being this kind of religious maverick. This guy who was out in the wilderness saying these kind of um, things about the future. Things about the Messiah. Things about the world. And 
um, he was out there in the wilderness teaching. And so the Jews sent a team of people out to check out this guy, John the Baptist, because everyone's wondering, is this the Messiah? Is this the guy? Is this the man you know, that's prophesied in the Old Testament? And so they send out um, a, a team, and they go and they talk to him, and he says, no, I am not the Messiah. I am not the Christ. I am not Elijah. I am not Moses. I am not Isaiah reborn. I am John. But I am a voice. I am a voice preparing the way of the Messiah. And right here, John the Baptist is pointing to Jesus. We're going to carry on the scripture where it says this. This is 1 John, verse 20, uh, sorry, John 1, verse 29, where it says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself do not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. As, I was, as we decided that we were going to um, uh, speak on the, on the Gospel of John during the fall, I began to read the Gospel of John, okay? which is a good thing to do, right? If you're going to preach about it. And so um, I began to read the Gospel of John. As I began to read the Gospel of John, this one word kept popping out of me time and time again. This one word that John keeps referring to time and time again. And that word is world. Okay? That word is world, and it kept popping out at me. I kept seeing it time and time again. You see it where it says, um, He was in the world, and, was, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. And then the very famous verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish and have eternal light. And then Jesus goes on to say, I am the light of the world. And here, in John 1, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this word world kept popping out to me, popping out. So I thought, well, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see what it means. I'm going to, I'm going to read about that word world and what it means. And so I looked it up, and uh, the New Testament is written mainly in Greek. And the Greek word for world is the word, is the word cosmos. Okay, And the world, word cosmos with a K is where we get our word cosmos with a C. All right? Makes sense, right? It's not that difficult. Um, and this word, this word cosmos, appears in the New Testament 170 times. Okay, So it appears a lot. It appears 170 times. But 58 of those times appear in the book of John. Over a third of the times that this word appears, appears in the book of John. Okay? He is more into this idea of the world than anyone else, any of the rest of the the writers of the New Testament. And do you know what the second book is? The second book that mentions uh, the word world is 1 John, written by John, who wrote this. And that mentions it 17 times. This is a theme he has sown throughout his writings and his teachings. That Jesus is for the world. Jesus is for the world. Jesus is for the world. He is the saviour of the world. This is a theme. 
He is the Word of God. He is the Son of God. He is the light coming into darkness. And it is for the world. But this word cosmos, this word cosmos implies something more than just like the world as we think about it, the earth. It implies the universe, everything, all creation. One of the other implications of this word in the Greek is, is it's not just the physical world, but it's every human interaction. It's all of human life and affairs. It's everything. It's politics. It's economics. It's all our social, cultural existence. That Jesus has come to save everything. And the gospel writer John knows this, and he has sown this theme into his writings. And so does John the Baptist. John the Baptist knows this too. And so they both point towards Jesus. There's a video that you may have seen this week. It's been uh, doing the rounds on the old uh, social media there. And um, it's of a lady called Victoria Osteen, who, uh, with her husband Joel, leads a church in, um, in Texas, in Houston, Texas. It's the largest church in America. Okay, so this is why this video has become controversial, because uh, you know, they're very influential. It's the largest uh, church in America, and um, I just wanted to show this clip to you quickly. So I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves, because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives Him the greatest joy this morning. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship Him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy. Amen. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that pretty much is the dumbest thing you've ever heard, right? Because it isn't about us, is it? It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. All of human life is about Jesus. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the King of Kings. And God has highly exalted him and given him the name above all names. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah? Yes, yes, yes. We know this to be true, right? But, although we know this to be absolutely true, we still live like Victoria Austin describes we might say or subscribe to the belief that Jesus is everything but we live a different way I would never get up here and get on stage and say oh don't, you know just make yourself happy it's all about you make yourself happy but the reality is, is that's often how I live that is how we live That is how we pray. That is how we spend our money. That is how we spend our time. That's how we spend our energies. As if it's all about us. 
You don't have to do selfies to be a narcissist. Though that helps. Um, (laughs) A narcissist is a person who is self-involved and vain and selfish. Basically, you. Definitely me. How many narcissists does it take to change a light bulb? It takes one. They put their hand in the air and the whole world revolves around them. And this is what we have done to the gospel. This is what we have done to the gospel of Jesus. We have made it all about us. There is a song um, by Depeche Mode called Personal Jesus, which was then later covered, um, amongst others, by the late and great Johnny Cash. Yeah? And I'm going to just play a quick burst of that song so you can hear it. This song um, by Johnny Cash here, this song goes on to express the truth that we have made the gospel of Jesus about ourselves. We have turned something that was meant for the whole world (coughs) and made it about our own little lives. We have made it about our own little circumstances. We have made it about our own little worries. A Jesus who we need to make our lives easier rather than a glorious Jesus who has come to transcend our circumstances, transcend our worries, and illuminate the whole world. Jesus will come and meet you where you are. He will. He will come to you in the middle of your brokenness and restore you. He will come to you in the middle of your anguish and comfort you. He will come to you in the middle of your sickness and heal you. Because he is wonderful, because he is powerful, because he is good. And this is what happens to many Christians. This story was not meant to stay with you though. This story was not meant to stay with you. It's meant to go in the world. And this is what happens to many of us. That we have powerful and transformational encounters with Jesus. Healing, we receive healing, we receive wholeness, we receive goodness, we receive blessing. Life-giving encounters. But often for us, that's where it stays. It becomes our own personal Jesus. But this story is made to be shared. This story needs to leave our own little worlds and go into the cosmos. Like John who writes this book, we need to know that God's light in our lives is not just for us. It is for the world. It is for the world. It is for the whole world.
For those of us who have been Christians a while, ask yourself this, this question. Has my testimony become static? Has my story become static? Have I used my story recently? Have I shared my story recently? Ask yourself that question. There are two signs, I think, I can think of. There are two signs that your testimony has become static, that your story has become stuck. And the first is this. The first is that you just want to be fed. You just want to be fed. When we become static in our faith, we often feel this constant lack of satisfaction. We become unsatisfied with our faith. And so we look to fill that unsatisfaction with more knowledge, more understanding. I need to learn more. I need deeper teaching. I am not being fed enough. Feed me. Feed me. We want ever more complex theology. We want a greater understanding of the historical context. And we want more insightful understanding of the Greek. That's what happens when we become static. Now, are they all good things to know? Are they all good things to understand? Are they all good things to pursue and get to know? Yes. I mean, they can provide insight, revelation. They can provide so much. But often, when what we're feeling most is a desire to be fed... It's because our faith has become static. Bread, bread is a boring meal for the person who sits on their butt all day. But for those who are active, those who are workers in the field, bread is just fine. Bread is great. You are hungry because you have been working, you have been doing, you have been alive and active. And so you're just hungry. The person who is active knows what hunger really is. The one who is static doesn't. The one who is static wants complex flavors and exquisite tastes. Are you wanting to be fed? Ask yourself this question. Are you wanting to be fed because you are hungry or because you are bored? Are you wanting to be fed because you are hungry to know more of God or because you are bored in your faith? There's a difference. There's a real difference. Are you bored in your faith or are you hungry for God? There's a difference. And so a hunger for for deeper teaching, a hunger to know more of the word of God, the hunger to understand more can come from two places. One is our hunger for God himself and the other is just that you're bored and you need something to to make your faith more interesting. Be honest with yourself. If it's because you are bored, then the solution does not lie in more knowledge, but by going out and sharing what you already have been given in your hands. The second sign The second sign that your testimony has become static, that your story has become stale, is this. Is that you are seeking and wanting a specific kind of experience. Okay? If you are not going into the world and bearing witness to Jesus, as John the Baptist does, telling people what you have seen and what you know 
about Jesus, then you are missing out on many experiences that God wants you to have. If you are not going out and sharing, bearing witness to Jesus, then you are missing out on many of the experiences God wants you to have. He wants you to be in a position of stepping out. He wants you to be in a position of taking courage, of having faith and trusting that he will show up, that he will speak, that he will heal, that he will reveal himself in the world. And if you're not having those experiences out in the world, you will feel unsatisfied and you will look for those experiences here in the church or places like this church conferences, other gathered worship environments. If you're not having the experiences that God has intended for you to have in the world, sharing and bearing witness to who Jesus is, sharing your story, then you will look for other experiences here. Good experiences, great experiences here. So if you are not having those spine-tingling, goosebump-inducing moments out in the world where you're sharing your faith, you will look for them solely in the place of worship. You will keep coming back here every Sunday hoping to recreate that powerful experience you once had. And maybe you had it at a conference. Maybe you had it when you did core. Maybe it was when you first came to River City Church. But be honest with yourself. Are you wanting... Be honest with yourself. Are you wanting a powerful experience here because you love the presence of God or because the rest of your life feels so empty? Are you wanting a powerful experience here on a Sunday because you just love and cannot get enough of the presence of God or is it because the rest of your life feels so empty? Because there's a difference. There's a difference. Sunday mornings here are basically my favorite thing in the whole world. Right? This, the worship this morning was incredible. The presence of God here was incredible. So powerful. It's, I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love singing. I love engaging with God. I love his presence here more than anything in the world. And as River City Church, there's one thing that we value more than anything in this world, and that is his presence of God in our midst. That's it. I mean, that's... Jesus and only Jesus, yeah? So it's good. It's right. It's great. But are you coming here to get that buzz because the rest of your life feels so empty? Because if you do, then that's not right. Come and because you love the presence of God, yes, but don't come because the rest of your life feels so empty. Because if it feels so empty, then you need to find other ways of creating spine-tingling, goosebump moments with the Holy Spirit as you share your story, as you step out and pray for the person who's sick, as you bear witness to who Jesus is. So here is my challenge to, to us all this week, okay? This is my challenge to us all this week. Share Jesus. Share Jesus. Be like John the Baptist and bear witness to Jesus. Point to Jesus this week, okay? One person. That's my challenge to you. One person. Share with one person this week. Do not try and convert someone, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Don't try and convert someone. Don't try and convince someone. Don't try and convict someone. That's not what I'm saying. 
Just love someone for who they are and tell them who Jesus is. Tell them what you have seen Jesus do in your life. Point to him and say, have you heard about Jesus? Do you know of Jesus? Let me tell you about what God's done in my life. You're sick? I've seen Jesus heal people. You're broken? You're upset? I've seen Jesus in my life make me better, make me well, take me from a a horrible place to a better place. Your marriage has fallen apart. You're having struggles in your relationship. I've seen God restore those things. Point to Jesus. Share Jesus this week. That's what it means by bearing witness to him. That's what it means to share your testimony. And this is the fun part, right? This is the fun part. It all has to come from the Spirit. It all has to come from the Spirit of God. So this week, ask for the Holy Spirit to open a door for you. Okay? You don't have to make anything happen. Ask the Holy Spirit to open a door for you. To open an opportunity. To create a conversation where you can begin to share about Jesus. Okay? So that's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to ask. If you're the kind of person who writes things down, write this down. Well, okay, remember it then. Um, Ask the Holy Spirit to open a door for you. Ask the Holy Spirit to open a door for you this week. Create an opportunity for you. That's number one. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit to give you the courage to take that opportunity. Right? Because I pray all the time for opportunities to come along. And guess what? They come along. And guess what? I don't take them. Right? I also need the Holy Spirit to give me the courage to take that opportunity. Thirdly, Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words to say. Just like Moses. When Moses is there before God and, and God says, you know, go and speak to Egypt. Go and speak to Pharaoh. And he says, I, I don't know. I, I have no words to say. I have nothing clever, nothing funny, uh, no great anecdotes. I don't, really, I don't really have anything to say. And God says, I will give you the words to say. And what he did for Moses, he will do for you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you words today. Three. Number four. Ask the Holy Spirit to take that conversation, that simple conversation, that simple seed of faith, and cause it to grow and do something miraculous. Ask the Holy Spirit to defy expectations and do something miraculous. This week, invite someone to the life course. This week, invite a neighbor, invite a friend. Ask for an opportunity to invite someone to the life course. Pray for that this week. There's this great verse, right? In, um, in 2 Corinthians 6. I'm going to finish on this. It says this, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In life, there are many seasons. In your life, there are many seasons. There's... A time to love and a time to hate, a time to live and a time to die. There are many seasons in life, but today is always the day of salvation. Today is always the day of salvation. Salvation is always available for us. This does not come in seasons. This is available for us every day. Behold, now is the favorable time. Right here, right now, this week. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Why don't we stand?